Scams have always been common, but with the rise of the internet and technology here in the 21st century, they have never been more popular than ever. You guys are on social media, you probably see scams or what look to be potential scams on probably a daily basis. And I know that I'm no different. Um, a lot of people have fallen for these over the years. And today I'm going to be telling you guys how I am no exception to this rule. Today on Storytime with Nate Sror, how I got scammed three times in 12 months. But real quick, before we get into that, I want to explain how this new segment of TCR Live is going to work. It is called Storytime with Nate Soror. So basically what I'm going to be doing, I have a bunch of stories from over the years, uh, failures, success stories, funny stories, things that I've never told publicly before, uh, which I will be all sharing here on this podcast. So how this segment is going to work is I will be telling the story uh, in as much detail as I could remember. I'm just trying to give you guys as much insight into the situation as possible. And then I will end off the story with the lesson that I learned um, as I want to be able to always provide you guys with some value. So if that sounds like something you guys are interested in, uh, please feel free to leave this podcast a five-star review on Apple, subscribe on your favorite platform. And if anything that I say in the following story stands out or provides you with any insight, please consider sharing this podcast as that is the fastest way to help me grow. So without further ado, let's get into story time with Nate Sror. So I'm going to take you guys back in time for a second, back in time to February of 2018, uh, which is pretty crazy that that's coming up on almost three years ago. Um, but if you picture picture 2018 Nate, uh, he's just a typical high school student, uh, doesn't really pay attention in class, plays the occasional sport, goes to work after school on the weekdays, and likes to hang out with his friends on weekends. Um, but something that I really discovered early on in my high school career, um, or at least at the time, something that was rising in popularity was Streetwear. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of you are familiar with brands like Supreme, Bape, the North Face, Louis Vuitton, etc. Um, back when I was in high school, that was really on the rise in terms of popularity. And a lot of people were getting into the reselling game. And at that time, I worked at a shoe store at my local mall. And I didn't want to be left out either. I mean, I was already getting pretty good deals on shoes and flipping those as well. Um, and really just wanted to, you know, expand my customer base by branching out into the streetwear market. So um, one of the biggest brands at the time, and still one of the biggest brands in the streetwear game today is Supreme. And if you guys know anything about Supreme, uh, they come out with a whole lot of items every year. They do a bunch of collabs with different pop culture icons, um, movie stars, etc. Um, but at the time, and really still today, one of their most popular items is their box logo hoodie. So you can Google it, but basically what it is, is just a plain hoodie, uh, whatever color it may be, you know, red, gray, black, whatever. Um, it just says Supreme in a box logo on the front. Um, and that's ultimately what the most valuable Supreme items are, um, other than, you know, special collaboration items. Uh, but these hoodies retail for about $170 uh, after shipping taxes and all that stuff. Um, and easily, if you're able to get your hands on one for that kind of price, um, it's a guarantee you'll be able to flip that for at minimum $500. And depending on which one it is, could be upwards of a thousand if not more so these come out about once or twice a year and i remember in february of 2018 is when the winter drop was coming out for supreme at that time and 
I was unfortunate enough to get my hands on a box logo in that time. And the reason I say unfortunate enough is because I didn't really know what to do once I got my hands on something that had that much value. And I knew I knew a lot of people who had gotten them before, uh, but I never personally had myself. And I wanted to, you know, make the most of my profits, get it flipped as quickly as possible, and walk away with a, you know, four to five hundred percent profit margin. So <laughs> what I ended up doing and how I sold a lot of my streetwear was through Instagram. Uh, I had an Instagram page, which I connected to a lot of uh, various streetwear reselling platforms. I was actually able to get quite a bit of followers and sold a lot of items over that platform through the years. But this time came into a bit of an interesting situation. So I threw the box logo up on all of my uh, streetwear reselling platforms, including Instagram, and I was immediately getting offers. But I didn't want to take a lot of these lowball offers as I knew the value of what I had. And I wanted to just basically say, hey, whoever bids the highest on this, if you will, uh, will end up getting it. And I got a cash offer um, from somebody out on the East Coast saying, hey, like I'm interested in this hoodie. I got cash ready right now. Um, like when's the soonest you can ship out and a bunch of other questions. And really what I did is I did some digging, tried to look through this guy's profile. He seemed legit, uh, tried to find him on some other streetwear reselling platforms as well, which I did. And he had positive reviews. So I kind of checked all of my boxes in terms of, Hey, is this guy legit? Is he going to scam me? Um, but as we'll get to in a second, I clearly did not dig hard enough. So long story short, we're DMing on Instagram over the next couple of days, um, just basically asking him for some information, you know, trying to verify that this is a real person. And I can't remember the exact specifics, and I wish I still had the conversation somewhere. Uh, but what ended up happening is he somehow convinced me to ship my item in the mail first, which if you guys know anything about streetwear, sneakers, or really just any form of reselling in general, uh, shipping first is one of the worst things you can do as you basically open yourself up uh, to any and all scams as if the person sees that the item is on its way to them. Uh, they can basically just collect that item when it lands, never pay you, block you, and the rest is history. So that's pretty much what happened to me. Um, I remember sending this, I remember shipping this thing out and I just had a bad feeling like, okay, I feel like this guy's never going to pay me. And <laughs> that's basically what happened. So I sent that thing out, was waiting over the next couple of days trying to get in touch with this guy. He was uh, ducking me and, and not responding to me. And then I ended up getting a a weird message uh, about a week or so later um, from somebody else or allegedly somebody else on this guy's account telling me that the owner of the account had gotten in some sort of car accident and he was in the hospital, like potentially paralyzed from the neck down. And like, it was probably the most fabricated bullshit story I'd ever heard. Um, but this guy was insisting upon the fact that that happened. He's like, yeah, like this guy, let's just call him John. John, you were talking to is no longer available because he's in the hospital, potentially paralyzed or, or whatever. So um, <laughs> I tried to go back and forth with this guy, tried to get him on the phone, tried to do everything I could um, to rectify the situation. But unfortunately, uh, I just had to end up taking the L on that one. So uh, if we look at it from a financial perspective, not only did I lose the 170, 175 bucks that I actually spent on the hoodie, uh, but I also lost the five to $600 in additional resale profits that I could have made for that hoodie. Um, so instead of being up, you know, five or 600 bucks uh, at the end of a week, I was now down $180 and my pride was completely shot. So the lesson from that is if you guys are still in any in any sort of reselling business, uh, never ship first. Always do 
things through PayPal protection or some other sort of guaranteed payment service. Because really the point is, is to always cover your own ass because if you take people at their word, uh, especially over social media, nine times out of 10, they are going to break it. So that is uh, really the first part of this three-part segment in which I get scammed three times throughout 12 months in 2018. So stick around for part two as it's coming up right now. So now we're going to stay in 2018, but this time we're going to fast forward uh, into September. So we are now in entering my senior year of high school. I'm still playing football, still doing all the stuff that I said before. Um, and really my main focus at this time is one, making money and two, you know, maximizing the potential of my senior year of football. And it's safe to say uh, that I definitely tried to do both of those as they came. Um, I, as I will get to in a later story time episode, uh, my senior year of football really did not go as planned uh, for a lot of reasons, which again, I will dive into in the very near future. But for today, we're just talking about September 2018, same month that I started school. Um, and really, this is one of the biggest uh, failures on my part in terms of being scammed as I completely deserve this one. Um, and really looking back on it, had no idea what I was thinking. So for those of you who don't know, I live here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, which is a very diverse, if you will, very diverse population of people. Uh, and something that's very big here in the area is rap music. There is a uh, specific style of Milwaukee rap, um, and a lot of people, um, just known as Milwaukee rappers, uh, you know, try to emulate that style um, and do it at a high level in hopes of getting signed. And I had been connected with a lot of these guys um, just through working various jobs over the years. I was fortunate enough to meet some people connected to the scene. Uh, and I ended up meeting a rapper, let's just call him Steve. I ended up meeting Steve, which is not, not even close to his real name, if you can imagine. Um, but let's just say I ended up meeting Steve through a mutual connection. I uh, was pretty popping in the Milwaukee area, was working with some big names. And to be honest, I mean, I kind of like this music. Like it, it wasn't bad. It was definitely hood. It was Milwaukee. It was what's up. Um, so I was. it was pretty nice to be able to, you know, actually have some sort of connection with him. And I ended up obviously following him on Instagram uh, over the next couple months. We had engaged back and forth a little bit. Um, I didn't really have anything to sell him or anything at that time, but really just wanted to, you know, kind of get closer to him, stay in his pocket, uh, maybe, you know, see what could come from that. But one day I see a post on his Instagram story um, talking about something like, I wish I still had the screenshot, but talking about something like, hey, if you want to make like, you know, I was like, if you want to make like 800 to 1,000 bucks, like message me right now takes 30 minutes, like something along those lines, some get rich quick, um, <laughs> some get rich quick type of scheme. But at the time, again, remind you, my focuses were football, athletics, and making money. And when I saw a story from somebody who, you know, I thought in my mind, I was, um, you know, had some sort of relationship with, uh, I just decided to, you know, figured what the hell, might as well message him, take a chance, see what's up. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. So what ended up happening is he had told me to meet him at a bank that was kind of near me a little bit, um, and I didn't have any sort of account at this bank previously, but basically what he wanted me to do was open a new checking account for him. And that should have been my first red flag right there of like, okay, why does he want me to open an account for him? But again, I didn't, I was a dumb, naive 17 year old. I didn't know what I was doing at all um, and just decided, you know what, I mean, 
I might as well like just open this account for him. What's the worst that can happen, right? So I end up opening this account and it, I'm at the bank, sitting in the bank manager's office, branch manager rather. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, everything necessary in terms of like paperwork. And he's asking me a bunch of questions. And <laughs> at the time, I really don't know how I held this together um, just because I was straight lying out of my ass. And I ended up just telling him, hey, everything that, you know, he needed to get the account going. I put a little bit of money into it, um, just got my my name basically tied up with this um, with this bank and with this account. Um, and then obviously walked out of the bank, walked up to my guy, Steve, and told him, hey, man, like the account's ready to go. So what happened after that was Steve took me uh, to this different area of the of the mall that we were at um, and just told me, hey, man, like, listen, we're going to do some things with this account. I just needed a account with this bank specifically, and they won't give one to me. And I needed to put money into this account. And what's going to happen is we're going to deposit money into it. We're going to take it all out the next day, and then you're going to get um, an additional cut of that money. And like the way that he explained it at the time, I don't want to say it made sense, but for whatever reason, I didn't have any red flags going off. Like I still thought that this was some legit operation and that I could, you know, potentially make some money from here. And what the biggest mistake that I did was hand over the debit card with the ATM code on it to Steve. Now, when I did this, it was because he had asked for it and he's like, hey, we need the ATM code um, and the debit card, if you will, to be able to deposit these checks. And again, not even smelling what could actually be fucking wrong with this, I just decided to to go with it. Um, so what, fast forward another, you know, 24, 48 hours or so, and I get a call from said bank. And in that in that 48 hour time frame, I haven't been able to get a hold of Steve. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, but what I do know is that I'm about to be in some trouble. So what ended up happening is I get a call from the bank and they're questioning me about this account that I recently opened earlier in the week. And this put me in one of the toughest situations I've ever been in because not only was I trying to save myself, but I wasn't trying to get myself in more of a situation for potentially opening a bank account in my name for somebody else. I didn't want to, you know, put felonies up there on my record. I didn't want to make the situation any worse than it was already getting. So I ended up going back to the bank in person. I walk in there and they're just grilling me about like what I opened the account for, why I did it, why there was money that was put in and then immediately taken out and the, the account was like withdrawn. And I told them like, yeah, I just needed to deposit some money into the account. And then I was just going to take it all out in cash because I had to pay like bills or food or, or some shit. I made it up completely. Um, but what ended, he ended up telling me is that like, listen, man, the checks you, and keep in mind, I didn't deposit these checks. This is what the guy, Steve did. He deposited these checks. So he tells me, sir, the, the checks you, I'm on the, this, at this point, I'm on the phone with the bank manager, like the, the, the I'm not going to use the name of the bank, but it's a pretty large bank here in the Midwest. Um, and I'm on the phone with like the regional manager or something like that in the, in the bank's office yelling bloody murder. So, um, what ended up happening is he tells me, Hey man, like the checks that you deposited are invalid. And I'm like, what do you mean they're invalid? He's like, well, they're not real to be completely blunt. And I'm like, okay, like that's like, okay, that's, that's fine. Like, I, I apologize. Like, again, I didn't really know what to say, but he tells me, he's like, so we're going to need you. And the account is missing like $1,100. And I tell him, I'm like, how is that possible? Like you just told me the checks were fake. And he goes, well, they are. 
and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, 17 years old, I'm thinking, how much of a fucking moron is this guy? Or how does this work? What kind of bank is this where they allow, not only allow fake checks to be deposited, but they then go through, get processed in the system. The money sits in an account and can just be pulled out at any given time without any sort of consequences or alerts to me, the owner of the account, other than the call that I got the next day about the checks being fake. So I ended up, again, I'm in completely in the wrong here. I'm not pinning this on the bank, the branch manager, the bank manager, anybody. Um, this is completely my fault, but it was just, I was trying to make the situation at this point just go away as quickly as possible because the last thing I needed was a felony on my record before I turned 18. So long story short, I'm going back and forth with this regional bank manager guy and he's basically telling me like, listen, man, I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but it doesn't sound good. And the best way to make this all go away is to just pay us all of the money that we're out and you won't hear from us again and you won't be able to get an account with us again. And I sit, sat there, thought about it and I'm thinking, I'm like, fuck, man, like I owe $1,100. I barely even have that to my name. This was before I um, you know, was financially smart, Nate, and just had money in one account and that was it. Um, and it was literally almost every penny that I had. And I'm sitting there just stressing the fuck out because like, what do I do in that situation? So um, what ended up happening is I just said, you know what, dude, fuck it, fuck this, fuck you. And I left the bank, go to my actual bank, which is across the road, funny enough, um, and pull out all basically all of the contents of my checking account at the time, um, all in cash, all in 20s, feeling like a fucking boss. Uh, I just walk back over to the bank that I was trying to get myself off of their naughty list for um, bank bank a if you will so i walk back over to bank a from bank b where i pull out all the money and just slap down eleven hundred dollars and 20s 17 years old slap down this money on this guy's desk and just and get back on the phone and just say listen man i just I have all the cash. Here is your money. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't know how you guys could fucking deposit or allow fake checks rather to be deposited into an account. That makes no sense. These checks aren't in my name. They weren't signed by me. Like, how did this happen? And he really couldn't give me a straight answer. Um, again, I'm not blaming this guy at all. He was literally doing his job and investigating a fraud situation. Um, so I just wanted this to be over as quickly as possible. So I get the money turn it in, tell the guy, like, I'm done. Here's your money, whatever. And the last thing he says to me on the phone is, so, sir, you're never going to be able to bank with us again. And I will, <laughs> I will never forget the response that I gave him. He says, sir, you'll never be able to bank with us again. And I go, sir, quite frankly, I don't want to. And hung up the phone, walked out the door. So <laughs> that is, um, that is the, the second time I was scammed in 2018, um, through a Milwaukee rapper, get rich quick type of scheme with a big bank in the area. Um, which what I learned, the lessons that I learned from this one, um, uh, were number one, this is pretty self-explanatory, but for everybody young out there listening, don't trust shady people. If somebody's shady or they look shady or you get a bad vibe from them, you're probably right. So just because they're offering you money, just because you think there's an opportunity there doesn't mean it's worth it to get yourself in a situation like that. And the only other lesson to that really is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So if you guys enjoyed that, again, please feel free to leave this episode a rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever else you're listening to this, please feel free to subscribe, share this this video and podcast with your friends. And I will see you in part three of how I got scammed three times in 12 months.
If you guys are still around listening at this point, I really appreciate it. You guys are the OGs. If you made it this far, uh, feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn, Instagram, any social media, and just say, Nate, I made it this far. I'll know exactly what you're talking about, and I love the fuck out of you guys. So <laughs> I'm going to go real quick through this one. Uh, it's not too interesting, but given the amount of stuff I've seen on it on social media lately, I figured it'd be a great time to bring it up. So this is now December of 2018, almost the end of the year. Um, I'm starting to have to think about my future in terms of, okay, am I going to go to college? I didn't get into that many. I got no financial aid, which you guys already know from a previous episode. Um, but really, I had to make some decisions here. And <laughs> as you guys know, I'm pretty business-minded. And even then, um, I didn't really understand the value behind going to college, at least for really me and what I wanted to do. Um, I definitely wanted to go for the social aspect of it. Uh, but in terms of you know having a career and making something out of those four years, I really didn't have any sort of plan at that time. So this is December 2018. I'm just trying to make as many things happen as possible um, to really give myself some sort of out from not having to go to college. And if you guys remember Instagram, uh, Facebook, even back in 2018, um, that was really when the rise of Forex trading really started. And I think a lot of you heard that and either got chills down the back of your spine in a bad way, um, or you know a family member, friend, college college roommate, somebody like that who was involved in something like this. And for the most part, I'd be willing to bet that 95 plus percent of the time it didn't turn out, which I'm going to get to here in a second. So for those of you who don't know what Forex is, just a real quick uh, kind of rundown of what it is. It's basically trading of currencies and their value. So you look at the US dollar versus the Japanese yen, I think it's called, and you see the difference between the value of those currencies. And basically what Forex trading is, foreign exchange trading is, is basically gambling or betting on the value of those currencies, if which the gap is going to be bigger, if the gap is going to be smaller, if the dollar crashes, then it'll, you know, affect the all the other currencies in some other way. Um, it's a pretty interesting concept and there's nothing fake behind the actual um, aspect of trading currencies like that. That's something that you can um, actually get pretty good at. It's just like any other form of uh, stock market trading. But as you guys are probably aware of, um, one of the biggest problems when it comes to Forex companies um, and things of that nature is the fact that they're MLMs. And what MLMs are are multi-level marketing companies, which basically, if you picture an upside down, or sorry, excuse me, if you picture a triangle, the guy at the top is the one who's winning. He is above everybody. Then he's got you know two, three, four people below him um, who are also winning above everybody else, but the big guy on top is getting some sort of cut of everybody beneath him. And um, it's similar to Ponzi schemes, and that's why um, so many of them end up being that. Um, but really, if you think about it, just the more people you bring in, the more money you make because you get a cut of those other people's profits. But the problem is, just like communism, just like socialism, um, all these things sound good on paper, but in reality, it basically means that if you're not in that upper echelon in like the first two tiers, if you will, in terms of the company, you're going to be not only losing money, but you're going to be made to buy all these products and buy these courses, buy these seminars, buy this training, buy all these things that you don't have money for and are confused as to why you don't, because all the people who brought you into this whole mess promised that there would be basically riches as soon as you walked in the door. But 
I didn't really care about that. Um, I had done a little bit of research again into what Forex was. Um, but again, at the time, I was pretty stressed just looking for something to um, kind of do in terms of, okay, this could maybe be an out so I don't have to go to college. And through the people I was messaging with on social media, I decided that this would be a good idea um, to get into. And this isn't even necessarily a scam as, as much as um, it is of me just being an idiot and losing close to $1,000 on something that was irrelevant. Um, but what ended up happening is I get recruited into like this group of traders um, who all go through Facebook Messenger. And it's this very weird system of these calls that are basically hype calls talking about you can make this, you can travel the world, you can be financially free and all these buzzwords, which again, sound great on paper. But the reality is you have to have a plan, some sort of strategy to be able to actually get any of those results that you want. So clearly, just like for September, I didn't learn my lesson. And when this was something that um, almost seemed too good to be true in a way, uh, I just decided, hey, man, I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm looking for an out. I might as well go all into this. So I had to put down about $300, I think, just to like be accepted into the group. So there's $300 were already down. And then after that, I had to purchase the training or the course um, in terms of how to actually trade Forex. And that was another couple hundred dollars. And I actually, to be quite honest, I probably studied that more than anything else I did in school at the time, um, just because I was kind of interested in it. It was teaching me about graphs and trading and how to read charts and, and all that cool stuff. Um, but <laughs> what ended up happening is once I got a little bit deeper into the company, I realized how everything was set up, like I said before, where I'm on the bottom not only am I not going to be making money, but I'm going to be spending money and it's going to just be this continuous cycle of me thinking that I can make money, but I ended up not. So at this point, I had probably spent about $600 um, and really gotten no results out of it. Um, and then I actually tried to literally trade Forex with my own money. So I was doing it in a simulation using fake money for a while, um, trying to get good at what I was doing. But after I'd spent $600, I'm like, okay, man, I got to make this up somehow. Like there's got to be something I can do um, to go ahead and recoup some of this cost back, much less even make a fucking profit at this point. Um, so once I put, I think it was a couple hundred bucks again, so now we're getting closer to $1,000 um, totally invested into this thing, I pretty much lost all of it in the span of like a couple of days, uh, maybe one maybe one or two trades, but nothing significant at all. Uh, and I ultimately paid the price by not only having all of those courses and the membership and the access to the group and all that that bullshit. Uh, but then I actually went out and lost my own money in what was basically a gambling ring. So after this, I was about a thousand dollars deep, and I decided, like, no, man, I'm trying to earn money right now, not spend more money that I barely have. Because again. Keep in mind, this is only a few months after I basically drained my checking account after getting scammed by the Milwaukee rapper, which I mentioned in part two of this video. Uh, but really, I just decided like, man, this is this is not it. <laughs> I thought it was it. I thought this would be an opportunity, um, something to really shake up my life, give me something else to do. Uh, but all it ended up being was a big scam, a waste of time. Uh, like I said, the people on the top, the people who were talking about, hey, you could travel the world, you can do this, you can do that. Well, they actually were doing all that stuff, but that's just because of where they were positioned in the company. And with everybody below you, the more people you bring in, the more people you recruit, you get a cut of whatever their profit is as well. And that's how money can be made, but really it's only made by people at the top. 
So you guys are probably aware of this. You probably had some Forex experience. Maybe you knew somebody who did probably went the same way as this story. Um, but the big lesson behind this one is similar to my situation with the Milwaukee rapper. If it's too good to be true, if people are promising you to be able to travel the world at 18 and barely work any hours and work from home and make thousands of dollars a day trading, like, yeah, it may be possible, but are you really willing to give up everything, invest everything, and basically dedicate your life to this thing just to maybe get in a position where you can make some money? That's a question I want you to think about, and I want you to pose that question to anybody else who's getting involved in the Forex trading game. I've seen a lot of people almost as if this has made a comeback of some sorts in the past couple of years. Um, but again, if you know anybody who's kind of involved in this whole MLM Forex uh, niche of the business world, business, if you want to call it that, uh, I'd recommend sharing this podcast with them, letting them know of my story, uh, kind of sharing them around other links of what MLMs really are and how, even though you think you're making money, you're really not making shit. And that's just how it works. So guys, that is the end of story time number one with your host, Nate Sror. Uh, if you guys found any of these stories valuable, you think somebody you know could learn something from this, please consider sharing this with them on any social media. Uh, otherwise, give this a subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you guys wouldn't mind leaving me a five-star review if you listen on Apple, uh, it really is going to help me get this message out to more people, which is the ultimate goal behind why I am doing this. So again, guys, the lessons from this are never ship first. If you're doing any sort of streetwear, um, always have your ass covered. Uh, the second, second lesson here is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And don't trust shady people. Uh, and the third lesson, final lesson here is if it sounds too good to be true, it's any sort of get rich quick scheme, it probably doesn't work. So just save your time, save your money, save your energy, because it could be better invested somewhere else. So if you guys enjoyed this, please feel free to let me know your comments down below. Feel free to message me on social media. Simply Google Nate Sror on your favorite platform. Shoot me a message. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, but take care. Be awesome. Have a great day.